I'd like to give a grand applause to James and the James in our drama department there. You ever do such things? You do know we're talking about anger, right? Some of you is going, oh no. <clears throat> I'm just glad y'all didn't get upset and go out too. You know, it's like, uh, oh boy. Well, we started talking about anger last week. And, uh, you know, I found it very inspiring because I wasn't really sure. This is something that y'all could relate to. I, I have y'all up on such a high pedestal in office. You know, these folks, they don't, they don't need to think about anger. They've got it nailed, you know. But after the service last week, I, I was encouraged greatly by your conversations that now this is a topic we need to talk about from time to time, you know. Uh, so we want to go into anger, talk about it again, part two. Uh, and uh, if you missed last week, uh, very, very relevant stuff, and those DVDs are available free of charge. They may have some back there or down in the, uh, the source downstairs. But I was reading uh, about this elderly woman, and uh, she was preparing to park her very expensive, the highest-end Cadillac that you can buy, and she was getting ready to pull into this parking spot when a young high school student cut her off and stole her parking spot. You know, the young man jumped from his car and yelled, oh, to be young and fast. You know, I mean, really adding insult to this, you know, uh, elderly woman. The older woman, you know, kind of in a little state of shock about how this could happen all of a sudden, she backed up her car and then she floored it and started using her expensive car as a battering ram and totally demolished the young man's car. For real. And then she rolled down her window and shouted out, Oh, to be old and rich. <laughs> but nevertheless, she was angry and she let her anger get control of her, which she shouldn't have done. It probably felt good for a couple of moments, so release that anger that way, you know if you can afford it. The uh, <clears throat> scripture tells us in Proverbs 13, 16, it says, wise, wise people think before they act. They think before they speak, you know. Wise people do. H have you ever been unwise and you spoke before you thought about what you was going to say? And then it's just like, uh-oh, I wish I could take that back. Or before you hit send, you know. Oh, I wish I had never done that. But he says here in Proverbs 13, 16, he says, Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. Fools don't think before they act. Or they don't think before they speak. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And even brag about their foolishness. That's just the way some folks are. In September 1999, Guy Booz, he was arrested in uh, Wisconsin because he let his anger get the best of him. His washing machine was acting up, so he pushed it out the door. <laughs> Down a flight of stairs, 
went back, got his pistol, and shot it several times. Are you laughing because you've done the same thing? <laughs> now, whether it's road rage or appliance rage, <laughs> anger is a big problem. It really is. And we see it expressed quite often around us in, in people's lives. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it says, And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Now, anger is one thing, and we will eventually talk about the righteous aspect of anger. But here it says, don't sin by letting anger gain control. Where anger begins to control your life, where you're kicking washing machines out the door, pushing them down the stairs, and then shooting them. That's wrong. You know, I mean, th that ends up into sin. When you use your car as a battering ram to destroy somebody else's property, that would become sin. And it says here, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Proverbs 25 Verse 28 says, if you cannot control your anger, you are as helpless as a city without walls open to attack. Now, especially during the Bible days. You remember Jericho? You, me you remember when the walls of Jericho come tumbling down and, you know, they were wiped out? See, walls around a city was a tremendous protection. And the Bible says, if you can't control your anger, you're like one of those cities that, that couldn't put up walls. Bad guys can sneak in at night anytime they want to, <clears throat> infiltrate the city, take over. And if you can't control your anger, you're just as helpless, and you're subject to attack. What well, we talked about last week, where the Bible tells us, if we don't deal with our anger and get it settled before the sun uh, sets, that we are allowing the devil to have a mighty foothold into our lives. And you know what? What good is having the walls of your house if you can't close the door? Because if you leave your door standing wide open because the devil has a mighty foothold in there, well, he can come into any part of his house he wants to if a door is open. The city gates, if those gates weren't locked at night, <clears throat> the enemy could slip in and bring destruction. And you know what the Bible tells us? In John 10, 10, that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Anyhow, let me read once again, we'll move on. <clears throat> it says, if you cannot control your anger, you're as helpless as a city without walls, open to attack. Over there we read in Ephesians, it says, you know, don't sin by letting anger gain control. The King James Bible says, be angry and sin not. And we'll discuss that at some other time about how to be angry and not give in to sin. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, we talked about it, Do, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. I was reading about this uh, Christian couple this past week, and they had just gone through a huge heated argument. I'm talking about a knock-down, drag-out kind of a deal in their home, you know? And uh, <clears throat> they got ready for bed, and the wife leaned over to her husband, and she said, Honey, we promise never to let the sun go down on our anger. And his reply was, Well, the sun is still shining in China. You know, he wasn't willing to settle it then. 
And, and I don't think that's exactly what Paul meant, you know, when he said don't let the sun go down. But I, do, I did find a loophole. For those of you who don't want to settle issues, you want to be angry for longer than a day. I found a solution. I was going to give it a research to find this, but you're going to have to move, you know, because during the summer, the sun does not set for six months at the North Pole. So you could move to the North Pole and you would see the sun for 24 hours a day for six whole months. But so there's still a limit. You can only be angry for six months. I'd suggest you probably don't move there. You stay here and you learn to deal with your anger. What do you think? That'd probably be the best approach. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 says, <clears throat> For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. And there again, what good are the walls if you can't close the door and you let your enemy come in and wreak havoc in your life? He says, For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. And if you're a thief, stop stealing. Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others in need. Verse 29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Foul and abusive language usually follows anger, doesn't it? You get angry and you, you say things that you, you regret. You wish you hadn't have said a little bit later on. But it says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say, everything you say, let everything you say, be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the mouth of angry people um, often <clears throat> runs faster than the mind. Has your mouth ever got the rest of you in trouble? because it can get way ahead of your thinking <clears throat> if you're not careful. That was a verse we read. I want to read once again. Proverbs 13, 16 says, Wise people think before they act. Think before they speak. But fools don't. Now, I'm sure probably some of you, your moms, <clears throat> your dads, your grandmoms, some school teacher, somebody somewhere probably told you, when you get angry, count to ten. All right? How many of y'all have heard something like that? For some of you, it really should be count to 100, okay? If you're really angry, and in a few incidences, we should probably count to 1,000, okay? But the thing of it is, if you count to 10 or 100, <clears throat> whatever it might be, it gives you time to think through things. Because if you just get angry and bam, you say something, do something, you regret it. If you'd have taken a, a, a few seconds, a few moments, and thought it through, you'd go, you know what? I would like to have done that, but I'm not, because it'll hurt me and those I love far worse than the pleasure I have of punching somebody or something, you know. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> in this series, we're getting a little personal. I'm telling a little bit about my personal life, Susan, you know, and so it's okay if we just let the guards down for just a little bit, right? One person says yes. Okay. <laughs> I might be in trouble here. I don't know. But have you ever had a fight with your spouse in your home? I mean, where you did a little bit of yelling? Anybody ever had some fight like that, you know? Maybe even threw something? 
Okay, let's broaden a little bit. You can't really relate to that necessarily, or you just don't want to. But have you ever had a fight where you're yelling? I mean, really getting a little bit hot with your spouse, or let's let's mix it up, or with your kids? Is that broadening a little bit? You know, so a little bit of yelling going on. Well, what I want to convince you of today that you can overcome anger, and, and I can prove it to you. I can prove to you that you can control anger. I guarantee I can prove that you can. Now, people go, I just can't help it. Yes, you can. Be honest with me here. But we're becoming transparent for a little while here. And be honest and say, I don't want to control my anger. I want to be angry. I want to ram that car, you know. I want to shoot my washing machine, you know. Don't say I can't help it because you can, and I can prove it to you. All right. I want to just act it out for just a moment, Okay. <clears throat> this is you in your house. And you're going, <laughs> and your wife is doing the same thing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, telephone rings. <clears throat> Hello? <laughs> oh, hey, Pastor Ron. Oh, we're doing great. Thank the Lord. Can you control the anger? Yes, you can. But you don't want to. It feels good to let it out. But then five minutes later, it feels terrible, the regret that comes along with it. But you can control it if you want to. And the truth of it is, is sometimes we don't want to. That's the truth of it, okay? Because anger is a choice. It's a choice that you make that I make. You can control what you want to control, you know. Well, let's pick back up here. We're reading there in Ephesians about, you know, anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Picking up in verse 31, it says, get rid of all, all, all. Get rid of all bitterness. And the word bitterness actually means poison, if you look it up in the original language. It means poison. Get rid of all bitterness. And it poisons you. It says get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, harsh words and slander. All those things go together. As well as all types of malicious behavior. That all goes together with anger, you see. And he says instead of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and malicious behavior, verse 32 says instead, be kind to each other. You're tempted to be angry, but be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Do you really deserve the forgiveness that God has shown you? Not one of us really merits it because of something we've done. But God has just been extremely gracious and he's been extremely merciful and he says we should be the same way with other people that he has been toward us and forgive people and be kind and tender-hearted toward them. Now, <clears throat> some people deal with their anger, you know, uh, as a maniac. Or we'll say some people deal with their, their anger, you know, as an explosion. They explode. You've probably seen people who explode. You know, they just go off like that. 
They're a walking time bomb, you know, or better described, having a short fuse. And someone who's got a short fuse, you don't want to do anything to bring any heat into their life because, shboom, you know. So there are people, they deal with their anger by exploding. They cuss, they fuss, they run around, they stomp, they wave their hands, they throw things. That's one way of people dealing with their anger. Listen to what it says here in the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verse 5. It says, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Now, you understand who Cain was. Cain was one of the two original sons that Adam and Eve had, Cain and Abel. And we need to understand something, that when Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed the ground, and he put them out of the Garden of Eden. There was never a bug, an insect. There was never a thorn or a thistle in the Garden of Eden. But God put them out of the Garden of Eden, and he cursed the ground. He said, you're going to have to work really, really, really hard from now on. you got thorns, you've got pestilences, things are trying to eat your uh, vegetables and fruit, <clears throat> and the fruit and vegetables are not near as nutritious as they used to be because the ground has been cursed. That's just the way it was. So when God put them out of the garden, they were clothed. In the, in the garden, they had no need of clothing, but now God, the Bible tells us, and it doesn't exactly say what it was, but by following and studying the whole Bible out, you, you, you pretty much have a good idea on what animal it was. God killed a couple of animals. It was a sheep. You know, he killed a sheep, shed its blood, and he made clothes for Adam and Eve. You know, and that was what they wore, and it covered over their sin. It covered over their nakedness. Well, they understood by that, and God made it sure that from time to time, they would sacrifice sheep. To God, they would shed the blood. They would remember, you know what? The price for our sin in the garden was a life. They shed the blood of an animal, you know, and they would do it as a sacrifice. And throughout the history of the Jewish nation, you'll see that from the earlier times, they would sacrifice a lamb, sacrifice a lamb. And at best, it would cover over their sin for a year. The following year, they would have to sacrifice another lamb and it would cover over their sin for another year. But you remember when John the Baptist came? As Jesus was just beginning to start his ministry, and John the Baptist came as he saw Jesus walking toward the river, and he says, Behold, talking about Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Never another sacrifice is needed. No more lambs need to be slain, because it doesn't just cover your sins for a season or for a year. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, when he shed his blood, he washed our sins away. No, no sacrifice needs to be made ever again. So anyhow, Adam and Eve knew that they had to kill an animal every once in a while, offer it as a sacrifice. That was just the way it was as God was teaching them that one day they would understand that Jesus was the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. So <clears throat> when they, they taught this to their kids. So every once in a while, they would offer a sacrifice. And, and the right thing to do was to do it the way God said to do it. Now, Cain, he was a farmer. He grew some of the best fruits and vegetables that you could grow in those days, but the ground was still under a curse. And it never qualified to be the sacrifice. I mean, what you know, Cain should have done, he should have given some of the absolute best of his crops, traded it to Abel for a sheep, for a lamb, 
to sacrifice because that's the way God wanted to be to remind us that a life was given to cover over our sins for a season. Now let's go back and with that little piece of history, let's read what the scripture says. Genesis 4, 5. It says, but he, God, did not accept Cain and his gift, which was fruit and vegetables, you know, fruit of the ground that was cursed. Did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry. And he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Verse 7, God speaking, says, You will be accepted if you do what is right. And a blood sacrifice was what was required. But he kept thinking, well, I'll do better. I'll give more fruit and vegetables. Um, you know, a product of the earth that is cursed, though, see. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is what? It's crouching at the door. Sin is crouching at the door. If you don't deal with your anger before the sun goes down, the Bible says you give a mighty foothold to the devil. The devil, he is crouching at our door, trying to get us angry so he can get into our homes, our lives, our health, our finances, and all that's relevant to us and bring destruction upon him. That's what the devil wants to do. And he says here, <clears throat> watch out. Sin is crouching at the door. God warned him, do what's right. Just do what's right. Do the right thing. He says, then watch out. If you refuse to do what's right, if you're going to maintain your anger, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. The devil, anger wants to control you. He says, but you must subdue it you must subdue it you, 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 you must tame it you must restrain it hold it back you know you must discipline that anger control it he's talking about here and he says and be its master but Cain refused to subdue his anger he refused and he, he gave full vent to his anger it says in verse 8 one day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. That was the way Cain dealt with his anger. He resisted, refused God's wisdom, and he allowed the anger to come in and bring destruction. And that's what anger does. It really does. Here's another uh, <clears throat> incident, you know, of this uh, people dealing with anger by exploding, you know. I mean, just a maniac. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 21, it says, David did this with a man named Nabal. Now, you understand that David and all of his mighty men, hundreds of men, were living out in the wilderness because King Saul was trying to kill him. And where David lived, not too far away, was a guy who had a big, hundreds of acres, maybe thousands of acres of, of land, and he had all kinds of crops, and he had all kinds of livestock. And because he was in the area, David protected this guy's livestock in his fields. Bad guys sneak in to steal some of it. David and his mighty men would run them off. Animals would come in. David and his mighty men kill the animals, run them off. 
So this guy was protected, and the guy never knew about it. You know, or he didn't know much about it. One day, just happened is that David and his men had a need, and they sent word very graciously to Nabal, said, Nabal, uh, this is who we are. We've been here for such and such a time, taking care of things for you. You probably don't know much about that, but we have, and, and all. And he said, uh, we would, you know, like a, a, a few animals so we can feed our men and uh, maybe a little produce you could send our way. And Nabal was absolutely a jerk. He said, what are you talking about? This is my farm. You'll not get a grain of my wheat, blah, 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 blah. And, well, then we pick up here. It says in 1 Samuel 25, 21, David did this with a man named Nabal. It's been useless. All my watching over his fellows, this fellow's property in the desert so that nothing was missing, and he has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David. Be it ever so severely, if I mourn and I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. David was angry. He was exploding. He was hopping mad. And he said he rounded up his men to go and just wipe Nabal out. And everything that was dear to him, just wipe it off the planet. And as David and his men were on the way to Nabal's house. Let's see, Nabal's wife's name, I think, was uh, Abigail. Abigail heard what had happened. They knew that David had been protecting them. And she got together all kinds of fruits, all kinds of foods, baked goods of every kind. And she sent it ahead. And they sent sheep and sent, you know, oxen, sent all kinds of animals just Load after load after load. And David was going, what's all this, you know? I mean, just pounds and pounds and pounds and pounds of all kinds of food you could imagine, the best that they had. And then when uh, <clears throat> Abigail got to David, after all these wonderful treasures, she bowed down and said, my master, I'm sorry. I'm going to paraphrase. She said, I'm sorry, my husband's a jerk, <laughs> you know. He said, please, have mercy on us. And if there's anything else you need, you just let us know what it is. And, and, and it subdued David's anger. But let me tell you, he was hopping mad. You know, that was the way he was going to deal with his anger just by destroying folks. Boom. And that's the way some people today deal with anger, by just exploding, you know. Well, <clears throat> there's another way of dealing. Some people deal with anger. And it's not by uh, blowing up, you know, it's by clamming up. And we would call that going silent. They go silent. They're mute. You know, they get angry and they clam up. Let's see what it says in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 15, verse 17, it says, I stayed by myself and was filled with anger. Filled with what? Filled with anger. I stayed by myself and was filled with anger. Why do I keep suffering? Question mark. Why do I keep suffering? Probably because you're filled with anger. Why do I keep suffering? Why are my wounds incurable? Why won't they heal? I'm holding it in and it's killing me. With the truth of what's going on here, you see. You know, this person who goes silent trying to conceal how they feel, and you're going, hey, uh, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. 
Some people, that's the way they deal with it. They conceal it. Is everything okay? Let me see if I can uh, help illustrate that here. Oh, here. <clears throat> if you know what this is. Now, just so you guys know, this is my personal crockpot. It's not Susan. Is that true? It's my crockpot. So I'm not messing with her stuff. This is mine. I've cooked groundhogs in this pot. More for me. I'm sorry. Squirrels. Possums. I cooked in this pot. I'm not teasing. Turkeys, venison, you name it, just about everything. I've, I've had a little bit of it in this pot here. This is my personal crock pot. Do you understand that? Now, you understand that a crock pot, you know what? Oh, boy. It's electricity. There's a plug right there. I should have had something with me today. At the end of the service, I could have had something already done. Groundhog or something. Y'all would love the smell. It's delicious, you know? Anyhow, this is very much unlike, unlike a microwave. Nothing like a microwave. I mean, a crock pot, you, you know what a crock pot does. It, <coughs> excuse me, it, it simmers, you know. It simmers, what you put in there, it just, it just simmers and simmers and it stews and it just cooks all day. You know what I'm talking about? It just cooks and cooks and cooks and, and cooks and cooks and cooks. You know, anybody here have a crock pot? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But see, what I'm talking about here, going silent, we're talking about the crock pot version of anger. You go silent. You just kind of clam up. You, you conceal what you're feeling. You just stew on it all day or two days or a week or a month. You just simmer, you know. This is just all cooking inside of you. It's all on the inside, you know. And I did all this research on this. This is this 100% accurate, you know. And you're more susceptible when you are a crockpot version of anger and you just stew on it. You're very susceptible to high blood pressure, ulcers, headaches, tension headaches, backaches, all kinds of things, all kinds of illnesses can be traced to bottled up anger. You don't explode, you know, you don't blow up, but you clam up and you, you keep it all inside and you're cooking. And it's very unhealthy for you physically. It really is, as well as spiritually and relationally and every other way you can imagine. Dr. F.I. McMillan, he wrote the book, it was called None of These Diseases. You can check it out if you want. And he listed 51 types of illness that can be caused by bottled up anger, being emotionally upset and holding it in. 51 different kinds of diseases are brought about by bottling up our anger, not exploding, not blowing up, but clamming up. And we think, well, 
I don't think that clamming up is better. I think it's very destructive of you. And, and then it trickles in affecting everybody else, you know. And, and it's not so much, you know, what you're eating to, to be healthy. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what's eating you. Because bottled up anger, it eats us. It's the anger that's on the inside. Well, there's another way of dealing with anger, and we call it the manipulator version, you know. Uh, and, and some folks are the manipulators. And, you know, uh, when uh, Lee Iacocca was fired from, uh, no, it wasn't Chrysler. They told me that last night. We checked it out. Before Chrysler, I think it was, uh, he was fired from Ford. Yes, look it up. You know, we have Google. I looked it up last night because they corrected me last night. And I go, ah, I don't think so. So we checked it out. First fired from Ford. And then he gave his famous line. He said, this is what he said after being fired. He said, don't get mad. Get even. You ever heard that? Well, hopefully you don't live by that because that's not good. That's the manipulator version of anger where you just plan to get even with someone. You know, you don't blow up. You don't clam up. You just get even, you know. Uh, people who are manipulators, they retaliate in an underhanded way through sarcasm. You know anybody who's sarcastic? And you understand words, it has to do with the inflection. It has to do with the, the tone. You can say, yeah, or you can go, yeah. It means two different things, Right? You can say things with the tones of your words and all. You can be sarcastic. You can say the right thing and be sarcastic. You really can, you know. The manipulator brings those cutting remarks, indirect contact, you know. Uh, this is the person who burns your toast. And I'm not really just talking about your wife or something like that. I'm just talking about the spirit that's behind this. They do it on purpose. This is a person who, who would deliberately burn your toast or deliberately make you late or deliberately forget things that you told them you had to get done, you know, or they would tease you hurtfully and then they'd say, well, can't you take a joke? This is a manipulator way of dealing with anger. And it seems so much more spiritual than just exploding, you know. And let's read about these religious people in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 11. It says, but they, the Pharisees who were religious leaders, but they were furious and they began to plot with each other. Ah, the manipulation. You, you remember that the religious leaders would come and they would ask Jesus questions, trying to trap him with his words so they could make an example. But he was so much wiser than they would. He would answer them with ways that was like, oh, wow. Well, he shut us up, didn't he? But they were, they were trying to trap him. It says in, in, in verse 11, but they, the Pharisees, were furious and they began to plot with each other what they might do to Jesus. Plotters, manipulators. And then there's another way of dealing with anger. It's kind of the, the martyr syndrome. You know, a person who is really a pro at throwing a pity party. You know anybody like that? You don't have to look at them or anything right now, you know, but... You know what I'm talking about. They're, they're really a pro at throwing a pity party, you know, uh, self-punishing, very passive, you know. 
not explosive, not, not really. You know, whenever somebody gets angry, this kind of a person says, oh, uh, it, it must be my fault, you know. Well, it must be my fault, you know. Um, what's wrong with me, you know? It's my fault, you know. This, this is that martyr syndrome, you know. The martyr syndrome, the martyr's favorite words are, I should have, um, I must, uh, you know, I, I have to, I ought to, you know. It's all about kind of like me, you know. And the, the number one sign of this, this uh, and dealing with anger now, the, the martyr, the number one sign of a martyr is depression. It's the number one sign. Now, this is very informative, and hopefully you don't get angry by me telling you this. You know. Okay? We are talking about anger, right? So don't get angry with me. But often angry people, they say that they're just depressed. I've just got depression. Well, it has nothing to do with me. I've just got depression, so I do this and do this and this, take care, help take care of my depression. Um, you know, when actually they're just angry. Angry people are depressed. You know what I'm talking about. For the majority, maybe not 100%, but like 98%, the depression is most often caused by anger. And we just kind of take it on the inside you know you, you remember um, the story about the uh, prodigal son you remember the prodigal son his dad gave him his inheritance uh, the boy went out spent it on riotous living just blowing it on you know worthless sinful kinds of things ended up losing it all he came to himself dad's been praying for him to come home and one day he comes home dad sees him from a long ways off runs out, meets him, loves him, covers him over with a, a, the best robe they have so everybody wouldn't see how filthy and, and all he was, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, brought him in, they killed the fatted calf, they had a feast, they invited everybody in the community, hey, my son, who is dead, has now come home, but the elder brother wouldn't even come to the party. You can tell he hadn't been praying for his brother. He hadn't been praying at all. Dad came out. You know, it says in Luke 15, 28, the older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in, talking about to the party. So his father came out and he begged him. He said, son, your brother who was dead is alive again. He's come back. He's, he's safe. He's home. And the elder froze and like, dad, you never had a party for me. Not even a little sheep or a chicken or something or another. You know, it's like, they're going to party for me, and, and Dad's trying to get him to come in, and, and he, just, he just won't do it. That's why he's dealing with his anger, you know. It, 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 it's really about me here. Uh, Proverbs 19.11 says, sensible people control their temper. Sensible people. They control their temper. And so if you don't control it, they're not very sensible. But it says simple, not simple, sensible people control their anger. That means they're, they're slow to anger. They're patient. They're sen sensible, you know. You know, they, they don't let anger control them. Proverbs 29, 11 says, a wise man holds his temper in. Now, now hang on here. But Pastor, I thought you said if you clam up and you hold it in, it cooks you, it stews. It's, that's right. But you got to read the rest of the verse. 
He says in, in Proverbs 29, 11, in the Living Bible, it says, a wise man holds his temper in and cools it. I don't know if you knew that term was in the Bible or not. Hey, cool it. That's a biblical term. So if you see, hey, cool it, guys. That's biblical. Cool it. What he's talking about here, uh, it says, Proverbs 29, 11, a wise man holds his temper in, which means he doesn't explode, and then he cools it. Then he unplugs the crock pot, takes the lid off, and if necessary, put some ice in there. Let the heat dissipate. And then it's not going to cook it. It's not going to cook you. He says here in Proverbs 29, 11, a wise man holds his temper in and cools it. Proverbs 14, 29 says, those who control their anger, they have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper will make mistakes. So if you wonder why you keep doing some not very wise things, he says those who control their anger, they got great understanding. Those who are hasty, hasty temper, that's talking about anger, they'll make mistakes. And then it says a relaxed attitude lengthens life. That appeals to me, relaxed. I mean, today I'll go home, have a little lunch, Sit down in the backyard, just relax, you know, maybe a little campfire, maybe go out to a, a little local pond somewhere, kick back, fish a little bit. You know, relax, you know what I'm saying? A relaxed attitude, it lengthens life. Let's learn how to relax. We live in a very high pace world lots of the times, you know. Deadlines, don't they stress us out sometimes? Oh man, deadlines causes stress and tension, you know. It makes us a lot more prone to, to anger. I'm a pretty calm guy most of the time, but once a week I get PMS. <laughs> Here I am trying to be transparent, tell you you laugh at me, hurt my feelings. I heard that. That anger comes along with PMS lots of times. Y'all know what PMS is, don't you? Pre-message syndrome. I've got to preach. This weekend comes once a week. Saturday night, Sunday morning, 9 and 11. Pre-message syndrome. I've got to look at all these people and, and bring them something that's life-changing from Almighty God. I mean, the stress that can come upon a guy. What do you think I was talking about when I said PMS? As I understand it, anger comes with it lots of times, you know. We got to learn to relax. Did y'all think that was inappropriate? I don't really care if you do or not. I didn't think it was inappropriate. No, I really do care, but Saturday night said it was appropriate, so I try it there. They said that was good, so you go to the next two services, okay? All right, I'm picking on you guys here. But we do need to relax because, you know, we're wound up so tight, you know, like my pre-message syndrome. No matter what's going on, my weekends revolves around tying all my loose ends of my study throughout the week all up into something that's really relevant, something that I believe that God is speaking to us. And it can be a little stressful, and I can get a little ticked off, a little, a little short-tempered because I need 
time, undisturbed time. I, I need that. So you can understand deadlines. It, it can get us that way. If you don't know how to deal with your anger, you might deal with it inappropriately, you know, because we get so wound up, you know, week after week, these tensions come. So you bite, you know, your wife's head off. She yells at the boy. The boy, he hits the little girl. The little girl kicks the dog. The dog chases the cat. The cat bites the Barbie head right off, you know. <laughs> We're talking about this chain reaction of what anger can do. And do you know it? It does have a chain reaction to it, like dominoes, boom, 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 boom. But listen to what it says here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It's not your fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And there's actually nine different terms, different facets of the fruit, kind of like nine different grapes on a cluster or like nine different wedges in an orange. It all comes together, you know. It's not like, well, I only have one of the fruit. No, they all kind of come together. And it's, and it's something the Holy Spirit produces. You can't produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces if we allow him to in our life. And it says in Galatians 5.22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, that's four. There are nine. But if only those first four were being produced in our lives, we would not give in to anger. If, if you're loving the way Christ loves. You know, talks about having joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We're talking about peace. Uh, peace comes because the prince of peace resides on the inside of me. And then he talks about patience. You know, take it easy. Slow down. Relax. You're not in a hurry, you know. If you got if you got these things working, being produced in your life, you're not going to allow anger to control you. Not to mention kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, and, and then he says, and self-control. No. Anger cannot take over when you have self-control and love and joy and peace and, and patience going on in your life, you know. See, the, the average man, average man, loses his temper six times a week. Not just gets, but he loses it. Six, that's average. The average man loses his temper six times a week. The average woman? Three times a week. Losing it. I mean, she may be angry a few times, but as far as losing, this is statistics, okay? You may have some that do more or do less. The average man loses his temper six times a week. The average woman, three times a week. Women more often get angry at people. Men more often get angry at things, flat tires, machines, dull razors, you name it. They kick, you know, the lawnmower because it won't start and, you know, things like that. That's just that's statistics, okay? Men are more physical with their anger than women. At home is where, well, let's see, I might miss one. Let me back up. I don't want to miss this one. Single adults express anger twice as often as married adults do. Men are more physical with their anger than women, and at home is where we're most likely to express our anger, is in our home. Anger is most frequent and intense toward those that we love, not toward strangers. Now, this is just statistics. You can take them or leave them, you know. Now, I just need one courageous volunteer. Whoever can be here first. 
No, right there. You love me? What? You love me? Yeah, of course I do. Good. What did you say? Yes, yes. of course. Yes, okay. You all heard that, right? Okay. You wouldn't get angry with me or anything, right? No. Okay, cool. Did she tell me the truth? No. Do Don't get angry at him either. No. no, I'm just picking on you, okay? Okay. I just, I, uh, oh, just a second. Okay, let me see. Okay, all right. There we go. I can't promise you what's in there. I sent my wife out to buy a bunch of stuff, and this is what she brought me back. We'll start with toothpaste. Okay? Can you hold out your hand? Thank you. Y'all can see that? Okay. No, no, you can look. No, I don't want it in the face. Oh, I promise I won't put it in your face. Okay. But, but we don't need the lid no more, okay? Okay, here you go. I, you know, it's not going to hurt. You can watch it. Is this okay? Nice. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you don't mind me doing this to help preach the gospel, right? This didn't bother you at all? No. Okay, I got another one. No, I'm not going to use any more toothpaste. Is it okay if I use some other products? Yeah, but that's going to hurt, huh? No. Could you read what that says? Is it all okay if I use that one? Would you rather me not use this one? I'd rather not. It just says roach and ant killer. I don't have any either, so I don't really need it, so I can just use it right here, you know, for my illustration, right? Well, you, you understand, let's see, roach killer, I'm going to use some of this next week, Spider-Man hair gel, you know, that's, that's something I could probably use the next week or something. Why could I use this one for you? It's conditioner, rosemary and mint, yeah, hyperallergenic, you know, that's pretty good, good looking stuff, and here... Oh, this would be good for breakfast. Cocoa butter, put on your toast and stuff. What do I know, right? Okay. Oh, here's some utterly smooth hand cream. Looks like a cow, you know? That looks like pretty good stuff there. What's this one here? Daily moisturizing lotion, oatmeal, to protect and relieve dry skin. You probably need this after you get that stuff off of the, you know what I'm saying? That stuff takes off plaque and tartar and all that kind of good stuff. Diaper rash ointment, you know, okay. Can I put a little something on your hair? Okay, it's called super glue. Fix it all adhesive. <laughs> You'll never take your sunglasses off again if I use this, you know. Let me see what else we got here. What is this? Muscle rub? Okay. Triple by antibiotic, anti-itch cream, you know. Let me see, we got something else up, that's about most up there, but you know what? We noticed that, and you know, once we're done, you can have this and put this back in the tube, and you know, this lasts probably about a year or so, I suppose. You know, I'll even find a cap for it afterwards. But whatever's inside this tube, when it is squeezed, is going to come out, even if it's toothpaste, even if it's ant and roach killer. You know, if it's uh, you know Spider-Man hair gel, whatever is inside the tube, when pressure is applied. That's what's going to come out. We understand that. We understand this is that if anger is inside of us and we start being pressed, 
squeezed by circumstances or people, what's going to come out of us? Anger. But what if love and joy and peace and, and patience is in us? What's going to come out? Love, joy, peace, and patience will come out. You know, so we really need to, to evaluate what we allow to be on the inside of us. So I have one more thing for you. Hope you don't mind. Okay? You're going to need this. And you know what? I started off with the whole roll yesterday. That might not be enough, so here's your days. And, and you know what? Just take the whole bag. It's towels and all kinds of stuff in there. Would y'all give her a great hand for helping us out there? Now, be, be, feel free to share that with people, you know, some folks, you know, whatever, you know. Okay. Truth of it is, is when you're full of love and you get stressed out, when Jesus was full of love and, and he, was, he was pressed and squeezed, was he not? He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He just allowed love to ooze out of him. So what's on the inside of you? You know, and I would hope, just like I'm, I'm going to assume by watching you right now that you're going to leave that toothpaste here. You're probably not going to take it home with you, you know. And hopefully that we would all leave as much of our anger as possible, leave it here today. You know, so if there's more room in us for the fruit of the Spirit that God wants to produce in us, that there's more room in us for Christ, you know. And you already know that anger is not the way to do it. But there's anger in some of us. And we don't always respond and, and, and deal with it so properly. But say, God, I just want to leave that here behind. I want that peace. I really do. Listen to what he says here in John 14, 27. Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And see, the peace comes in when you make room for the Prince of Peace. His name's Jesus. You make room for him in areas of your life. And truth of it is, you know, sometimes we're full. And you look and you go, well, we're full, but we only got a little bit of Jesus in us because we got other stuff that you can't see, like me having a glass of milk. A glass of milk? And, and you go, well, that's a full glass of milk until I reach in there and pull out a great big old rock that was occupying space that milk could have been full, filling it with. So if there may be things in us that, that makes us look full and, and a little bit of Jesus is splashing over. It looks like we're full of him, but really we're full of other stuff that we need to remove so it makes more room for Christ in our life. Oh, one more passage. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, don't worry about anything. And when we get angry, we start worrying about everything, you know. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And tell God what you need. And then thank him for all he's done. He's done so much. Verse 7 says, and then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds, exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true. What's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me. 
everything you heard from me and saw me doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. And I want him to be with me. Don't you want him to be with you? And then one final thing before we pray. I want to read you something that's, that's very good, very good for you, if you want to help deal with anger. Some I didn't really grasp the fullness of until some time ago. It says, if you have a chronic problem with anger, more than anything else, you need to get some exercise. Don't sound very spiritual, does it? You, you understand exercise? Like walking, you know, jogging, you know, swimming, you know, stuff like that. That's what the article says. It says, um, doctors tell us that aerobic exercises, walking, running, jogging, swimming, etc., will relieve tension and stress. They're much better than you yelling at the people around you and internalizing your anger and then getting an ulcer. For some, the most spiritual thing you can do is to get out and start an exercise program. We live in a very tense rat race society. You need some way to blow off steam. Learn to relax. It'll lengthen your life. You remember the verse we read a little bit ago? If we don't let anger control us, we can learn to relax, and it lengthens our life. So to take a little walk around your community is a good thing. You can be praying for it. It gives you time to think. Or if something happens in your house, you simply say, I'm going to take a little walk first and count to a 1,000 or whatever it might be, you know, before you, you know, react. It's better to respond than just a, a knee-jerk reaction. But I said, you know what, that's something practical we can all do. I'll take a little walk, you know, a little jog, a little swim, whatever it might be, that's a little bit of exercise, some aspect of your body, you know, to help you deal with the stress and the tensions and all. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, let me just read this before we pray. This is your, your weekly challenge. And it just says on the top of the page there, it says, I am going to change today. Because I want to change. So if you don't want to change, you won't change. You know that, right? But if you want to change, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can change. I really can. And, and if, if you agree with this, just check it off, drop it in the tithe box today. It says I'm going to change today because I want to change. I'm going to, I want to change. I don't want to be the same no more. I want to be patient. I want to be kind. I want to be loving. I, I, I want to have peace and I want to have joy. I want to be more Christ-like. And I'm going to change today. You know, I'm going to do it today. I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm not going to put it off tonight. I'm going to change today. You say, well, I've always felt like this. my mama was this way, my daddy was this way, my dog was that way, and I'm just this way. You know, it's like, no, you can change if you want to. You really can through Christ, who is your strength. So I want to pray for you. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I thank you for the men and women are in this building. I thank you for those who are watching online. I thank you for those who are listening or watching this in, in multiple places around the world. And I thank you that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes what you sent it to do. Father, change us. Uh, we surrender and say we want change. We want to change today. We don't want to be the same no more. We want to be more mature. We want to be wiser. Uh, we want to be a tool in your hand. We want to be somebody you can trust, almighty God. That's what we want. We don't want to be the same. We want to move to higher ground 
day by day. Bless these, Father. As we've studied your word today, help us to apply it and be more trustworthy in your hand than ever before. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me in just a simple prayer to reaffirm our faith in Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've never welcomed Christ in your life. Would you join us as we pray right now and welcome Jesus into yours? It's the biggest thing that you can ever do, the most important things, the most important thing I've ever done when I yielded my life to Christ. Would you join us as we pray? Let's pray together right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe the best is yet to come. I thank you for sending your son Jesus. I believe he took my place. He suffered for my sins. And then he rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart. And I open that door. And I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for the times I've given in to anger. I want to do things your way from now on. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay. You know we're going to leave in just a moment. Those of you who prayed with me, maybe for the very first time, um, if you'd stop at the Connections desk on the way out, they've got a little gift bag. It's got a Bible in there, a bunch of little goodies that I believe would be a great inspiration to you. You can get last week's service. It should be back there, or they'll get it for you. It's all free. And if you're a guest, we have another little gift for you, and it's not a tube of toothpaste, okay? A nice little gift for you, and we just say thank you for coming. We hope you come back. If you need some prayer, there'll be some folks around the altar here who would love to pray with you, and I am telling you the truth. God still answers prayer. He genuinely does. So on your way out, would you make it a point to uh, shake hands with somebody, you know, get to know somebody you don't know, you know, high-five them, give them a hug, you know, get reacquainted with somebody you had not seen in a while. You might even bump into somebody that smells like toothpaste in the whole process, you know. God bless you. You are dismissed.